0: Simple game. Four players. XFIL opens the pocket, CyberOps lifts the wall. Bank. IMF mainframe. Where exactly case? In Langley. In Langley? The one in Virginia, Langley. Inside CIA headquarters at Langley?
1: Is he serious?
2: Always.
0: Do you expect me to talk?
1: should you choose to accept it for episode 148 is to begin a new review series the mission impossible movies as always should you or any of your do you expect us to talk force be caught or killed the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions this entry will self-destruct in five seconds hello everybody <laughs> welcome to episode 148 of do you expect us to talk I'm your host Becca and as always joined by my colleagues Dave and Chris how are you
2: doing I never thought, like, a message self destruction was Becca saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was my uh, silly, unserious introduction.
0: Good evening, folks. Uh, do you know, if I was caught, I'd worried about being—I'd worry about being disavowed. <laughs> if I was killed, probably less. Caught so. Doing what I want. To... But if I was killed, less so. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I've been killed. Going to
1: disavow <laughs> <me>. <laughs> oh dear! What a shame.
2: My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. <laughs>
1: Hold on a minute. Well, I thought, yes, we are starting a new series, and I thought I'd try to do it in the style of the original TV show and the classic opening, which is, of course, Mission Impossible.
0: Well, starting with that, did any either of you ever see the television show? No. At all. Even I, I might minutes. have
2: watched a episode. Mm. Um, I... Maybe when it was like on Channel Four Sunday mm. early afternoon-ish. I got a vague memory. But it just wasn't. It was never on. It was just there was. It was one of the shows that in my childhood it it, it wasn't like available to me. Um, even though I knew of it, I knew like of the you know you got the theme. you know, so what's that? The Mission Impossible theme. And it was kind of like a, an American spy series. But that's kind of what I knew.
0: My memory of it is unreliable because what, what you think happened, you know, your brain compresses time, mixes years up and all the rest of it. But my memory is that BBC Two sort of 6 p.m. slot one weekday, I can't remember which, my guess is Wednesday, because I think I went to like a youth club when I was at primary school and then switching over to secondary school. The first year of secondary school, you could still go. And I have a feeling it was that night. I think I used to watch it and then go or come back and watch it, one of the two. But there was Star Trek, the original series, which eventually gave way to the next generation. There was also a 60s television show called The Invaders, which I know without even asking him, Charlie would know. Because I just think that would be right in his wheelhouse.
1: He'd be all up in that, wouldn't he?
0: Um, And then there was also Mission Impossible. Um, And I remember really, really liking it. But a bit like something like M.A.S.H., there were constant changes of team and depending on what you saw you may not have seen all of those like for example I know Leonard Nimoy did a couple of series of Mission Impossible a couple of seasons to American listeners and I've never seen him in it and I also know that Peter Graves who was like the main star of it wasn't the main star in the first series so it's a bit like when I think of MASH I always think of BJ Honeycutt and like Colonel Potter and they weren't the main stars in all of it. So I've clearly only seen subsets of The whole, And the same is true of Mission Impossible. Uh, what really struck me watching this first film, which we'll go into in a minute, though, is how much the first act of this film is effectively an episode. But obviously, going on from there, the series has morphed into something different.
2: Yeah, was it the um, the Man From Uncle slot? They used BBC2.
0: The Man from Uncle might have been in that rotation as well actually because I remember seeing a bit of that um, but yeah those are the three that spring to mind like that sort of tea time slot mm-hmm. I seem to remember seeing those three television shows quite a lot um, I think the thing with the Mission Impossible series is how much it reminds me just in how it's all unfolded to the Fast and Furious franchise in the If you put the first Fast Fast if someone said to me, you know, what's the Fast and Furious franchise about then, what's that like? Well, if you gave them the first one, it it wouldn't reflect the whole at all. Just in the same way that this doesn't. And also you look at Fast franchise, which has had a few more entries than this now. And to me, some people will disagree because I have met people who really like Tokyo Drift and stuff like that. But to me, that that series really hit its stride with the fifth instalment. So, and I think Mission Impossible morphs into something else around the fourth. It hits in that direction around the third. But the third has a bit of TV episode about it as well, and we'll talk about it when we get there. But it becomes something around the fourth. And actually, it's big stock in trade. Right the way to Fallout, really, was that there was a different director every time. So it had a different style of feel every time. And even silly things, like up till the fourth one, Tom Cruise used to, like, alternate how long his hair was in the films yeah so it kind of changes been, doesn't it they'd be they, you know he was short hair in the first one then longer then shorter then longer so it, it always looked different to the previous one and rogue nation came along and it felt a bit like the fourth but it was a different director again and when fallout came along having not been sure at the time whether i thought rogue nation was better than ghost protocol or not i was a little bit like i'm not sure staying with the same guy is the right idea but having said that We've now got a director who's done two entries and substantially written the fourth entry as well, and it's morphed into something else again that I think everybody would be kind of happy with rinse and repeat from here on in. So it's it's been an odd series, and going back to the first one was was it's it's just not remotely what it became. No. It's a
1: bit of a palate cleanser, almost, isn't it? Because like knowing what you know the series as we have it now, going back to the beginning, it's kind of. Obviously, they're going comparisons to do comparisons to Bond and Spawn, obviously, as well, but kind of, yeah, going back to this one, because I'd certainly not seen it, I think, I don't, I probably wouldn't have seen it upon release. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think, I've missed Golden Knight, the cinema, so I might have been a little bit perhaps too young, um, but I've seen it like on, on TV or on DVD, for example, on, on home release. Um, but I certainly haven't seen this one in eons. And because, you know, watching it again, I was just like, this is completely different <laughs> to, how, to the series as we know it today, so...
0: I, I actually remember its exact release date uh, without looking. Uh, the reason being, I, I effectively, without going into it too deeply, had two spells at university. Oh. In that, I, I finished school and got got a place at Liverpool University. I went to, and I really just wanted a year off. It, it's the thing I really wanted. I would, you just get to the point. All of us with like degrees or we've done long like, yeah, spells in education, you get to a point where you're just sick of exams every six months. Um, And I was just sick of it. And my A-level year had been a stressful year for a lot of reasons. And I didn't want to go. I really didn't. But, like, I I think my family, who normally let me kind of do what I want, but I think they got to the point with that where they were like, if he doesn't go, he won't go. So I moved up to Liverpool and just half-assed it for a year. I wasn't kicked out. I could have, like, got through. But I got to about February and thought, I I just don't want to be here. I need to go and do something else for a while. Um, And to cut a long story short, for various reasons, I stayed the rest of the year, even though I'd like signed out of the course. Um, I finished my year in horse. But the university year was slightly different at that time in that it ran into July. Um, The the traditional universities had like two terms of 10 weeks and one of like 11 with like months off in between. (laughs) And I just remember the day I finished my course, or I finished the year, was the 5th of July 1996, and posters for this were everywhere. That was its date of release. So mm-hmm. it was released the day I moved away the first time. I went back a year later and just sailed through, did a subtly different course, but like it was fine. But yeah, I remember this being released. I didn't get to see it because it was around a weekend of the year I was like moving because I was basically leaving that city mm-hmm. for a little while. And I saw it probably on video, I'm guessing. And I just remember being vaguely disappointed by it. It, it was fine, but it didn't do a lot. And we'll, we'll talk about it, obviously, as we go through it. But I was just a little bit like, this is OK. I like the feel of it. I like the kind of tone and what it's trying to do. But I don't feel any connection to anyone in this. Um, I did remember the TV show because I just remember just going, well, this is not really mission impossible. Funnily enough, as we go into it, it kind of is this, this entry, but I felt this isn't really mission impossible. I'm not sure what this is. Um, And then years went by. And I remember seeing an article about Tom Cruise just generally, maybe two years later. And at that point, Tom Cruise had been a big star for about 12 to 15 years, but he had never, ever done a sequel. So when there was talk of Mission Impossible 2, there was a lot of, will he do that? He's never done sequels, which is funny because he's done a few now, but he'd never done sequels. So Mission Impossible came 2 came along almost as an afterthought. It was three years later written in a wildly different style with Ethan completely different in look, feel, everything and then it was 6 years before mission impossible 3 so that almost felt like let's give this another try a little bit like we were talking off air about men in black which has come out this weekend you know that like they weren't sure they had they owned the property they wanted to make something of the property they had a big star in tom cruise but is this series that viable um, and there were just long gaps, and every time it came back, it was so different. It didn't feel like the same thing anyway. It felt like a series of one one shots, really, until we get to like Ghost Protocol. And since then, it's been a lot more consistent in team, in look, in feel, in characterization, in everything.
1: No, it's completely different. There's one of those films I like. The look of it, I. Get what you're saying about sort of the look and the feel of it as well. I think it's. Um, I was kind of did a bit of research and tried to watch some episodes or some clips of of, of the TV series. does kind of look completely different. It also, in regards to kind of films came out of that time, sort of mid to late nineties. Um, kind of, it looks also looks completely different as well. Um, also in terms of its use of of location as well. Like you didn't see very many films in and around like Eastern Eastern Europe, um, and was was certainly <laughs> making Scotland so, like you know look so pretty. Um, and this film has it, you know, has it in spades. Really, like you go to Prague for one of the first times as seen on on the big screen. Even we're kind of coming out of the Cold War about, you know, this top, about this sort of time, ninety five, ninety six, in the late nineties. So, just looking at it from a geographic point of view.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is just not the series it would become. This is Brian De Palma. Now, I believe the drive behind this film was Cruise, and Paula Wagner is producing partner.
1: Mm.
0: Now, um,
1: I think he needed a bit of a hit on his hand, didn't he? At, at some point, and he was like, well, I need this in my career. I need a
0: boost." Well, I suppose he did Carlito's Way in '93, but it'd been a few mm. years since he was at his peak.
2: He's, he's a very interesting a, filmmaker. He's more of a genre filmmaker, I think. I think yeah, very to, much yeah, genre director. You, you go to De Palma to kind of like to have that aesthetic, don't you? I mean, it doesn't strike yeah. me as someone who's chasing a massive hit. He's not one of the, one of those. I mean. I think he does reasonably well, and he think he's happy with that. I think he's one of those filmmakers. Um, so I think, I mean, I, 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 I do think back to like at, at the time. Think you know, maybe it wasn't perception of it wouldn't wouldn't have been the same as it would now. Let's just say like if Next Mission Impossible film was to be done by Braden Department, like, oh that's an interesting choice. Um, uh, but this time around, maybe it would probably seem like a bit more of an obvious, I was like, oh, well, you know, De Palma, yeah, that, that, that should be cool. But it's quite, um, a, a prestige, uh, cast and crew, really, haven't you? you got, like, De Palma at the helm, uh, with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise,
1: John Voight. Yeah. Um, Red Grave. uh, Emilio Estevez, i <laughs> will just going through the cast list.
2: I mean, like, it's a... um... To give it, it's like tone. I mean, it's like I think uh, Dave mentioned like, how it looked. I mean, it always sort of had it had that nineties um, political thriller look. Uh, and uh, well, it's funny when I was watching, I was thinking, oh, I really? Wish Bond could have had a couple of in that area, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that yeah, kind literally. of thing. I mean, I, <clears throat> I know, I know, like Gold, Goldeneye touched on that. Um, you know, well, well, yeah, it was fair. Gold, golden eye. You have golden eye. Um, mm. But in terms of that sort of, you know, the firm, clear, and present danger, those type of, you know, throw throwback. The
1: uh, Tom Clancy kind of films.
2: Yes, basically that. Where, where it's like it's more about like people sitting at desks and, and tension and and pl- and playing like you know, trying to figure out like you know what what's going on and you this know, one's action heavy, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I think this is kind of what it's like. I mean, I remember watching it in the cinema. Um, what I actually saw on my birthday, as a matter of fact, because I'm, I'm, I'm a summer child. Um, oh, baby. Yeah, and I, and I, I was a really hard action guy. I was, like, really interested in seeing this, because obviously I didn't know anything about Mr. much as possible, but possible uh, the series, but I thought, oh, well, you know, Tom Cruise, big, uh, you know, it's a, a big-budget um, advertised as an action film. Uh, Tom Cruise, uh, you have, you know, you had that that shot where he's like flying off that explosion, things like that. So forth, thought, oh, this this is this is going to be great. And I also actually really disappointed the first time around, watching it as a, as a as a younger child. I, don't know, I forget how old I was particularly, but I must have been wasn't I? Probably about fourteen actually. But as a, as a kid who's like really really want to see some action, it was more about sort of it was a bit more adults because it was more people like sort of talking. sitting and talking and there wasn't any yeah. sort of... I mean, there, there, let's just say there isn't much of a body count in this film.
0: <laughs> but- there isn't. No, and, yeah. and actually, um, there's relatively little action. There's yeah. a couple of set pieces. There's relatively little running. So clearly Tom wasn't having those thoughts around that time.
1: He, he, did, have uh, a, he did have a good like, you know, that shot for that. I, just dissolve. <laughs> I disavow all knowledge.
0: Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> you know, like uh, that that shot where he's like uh, uh, jumping jumping from the uh, the, the fish tank.
0: Oh, the fish yeah, tank! Yeah, the, 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 the aquarium. The fish tank and the jump onto the, uh, onto the train are the two big. Well, you've got a massive.
1: I say so you've got the fish tank. You've got the kind of the almost two thousand and one computer station room, sort of descending
0: on, Actually, on that one, that and is then probably the most iconic shot in this series, along with him hanging off the plane, isn't it? Yeah. yeah i would
1: say i would say that and in, in, yeah in this in kind of in, in the whole series um i think we'll, we'll go through that I actually mentioned the action as well i mean considering the the series today is known for kind of like my impression of it is like each film that comes out they have to kind of do there's a bit of one-upmanship going on they have to kind of do bigger and better or just copy bond you know um but for like for here i would literally I, you can count the set pieces on, on one hand um I mean, yeah, because it, considering that, it's kind of, it's not light, but, like, there isn't as much as there is now, for example. There's, you know, three main set pieces, whereas, like, in, you know, in the recent films, there would be, like, a car chase and a mountain climbing scene, an explosion, and this and that and the other. And it's all a bit, it a bit much.
0: <clears throat> when I think of this series, and I think of set pieces, you've got to think of them in action as and as still photos, yeah? So yeah. if you think of, like, still photos, there's him hanging in Langley, and there's probably him hanging off the side of the plane. Yep. if you think in like movement as well, you'd have him on the Burj Khalifa. But oh God, there yes. isn't there isn't a single photographic shot that you go that picture. It's a sequence, unfortunately. Yeah. Um And I would imagine him probably on the rock climbing at the start of the second film.
2: Yes. I, yeah. I'd are probably are they
0: probably the the sequences we would discuss?
2: Well, they've always... fallout
0: probably tops them with certain things but there's not yeah i say fallout definitely
2: thing. there's always yeah. something when um I, i'm trying to think in fallout particularly whether 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 they actually did do that but i think particularly since the first film they've always had something with tom cruise hanging off something so you got the langry bit there, there's a sequence in two where he kind of like where he kind of just, he's kind of like drops from um from a rope and just sort of like there's a shot of him just hanging um they do it in three. Uh, I, I... Three's
0: got the um, fulcrum, hasn't it? Yeah. Across the buildings. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. so that's the one. Yeah.
0: Uh... Um, yeah, it, it's very... It, it's really interesting, because, I mean, if we're talking about Bond, there's two things that stick out to me where it differs impressively, in that Bond has this horrible bloat and purge cycle every now and again, that you start with a Fleming-esque tale and three films later you know bonds on the, the fucking, bonds on the fucking moon or driving around in a invisible <laughs> car or the and then they go oh shit and then do a fleming s story and three films later you know he's you know it's about you know genetic therapy or something which, is, could which it be. Will
2: probably
0: will be about it will be this time um uh, they mission impossible i think there's two things that i would point out firstly they've managed to continually up the ante without it getting sillier each time in that you can compare fallout to like mission impossible three or four and it's not stupider it's just another bar leveling you know raising action sequence it isn't necessarily bigger in in conception necessarily it's just something else that's really impressive so I don't feel the same bloat. Let's see where they go with the sort of back-to-back films they do it in a couple of years' time. If he does end up, you know, playing Jengo with a meteor, then uh, perhaps it is a bit, you know, perhaps it has gone that way, but it hasn't so far. I think the other thing that I would say, and this is probably a reflection of the fact that Bond had Fleming, that Bond found, we found the Bond character much quicker in that, yes, the it took four films for them to find their format, But you recognise James Bond immediately in Doctor No. And we'll talk about it as we get into this film. But Ethan Hunt in this film has almost no defining characteristics. But those that that he does have are nothing like the man we see now. So it did feel like a series of, of standalones around a title for a very long time it doesn't now it, it's found its feet as a series and it's a little bit like the Fast franchise in that regard in that the, you know Fast Five, Six, Seven, Fate of the Furious nothing like the first film nothing like the second film nothing like the third film the fourth film sort of heads towards the format we know but it's a little bit dull and then from 5 on they just become these wild over the top rides and they are recognisable as part of the same thing now and Mission Impossible has has taken a long, long time to find its feet, but that's not to say the first film is a bad one.
2: Yeah, I think in terms of like um who Ethan the Hunt is a character, like you know, the series managed to sort of find his feet. I think I don't know if it's by accident or in retrospect, but the character of Ethan Hunt is basically Tom Cruise. Like, you know, and you, and you just look at his um this Film, right? Like, he's like the, the new well, pop
0: star. Sorry to interrupt, but it's probably the only series apart from Jack Reacher he's ever been in where you don't just call the character Tom Cruise. <laughs> <And if laughs> yeah,
1: that's true, actually. Tom I, saying, Cruise I would say, I would Somebody
0: name. I go, well, there's Tom Cruise and, and then I'll probably name the character he's playing against. Yeah. But it's just basically
2: Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, but he's character is basically that, that kind of top he's you know, in this one he's like the the young hotshot, you know. Uh and in the second one he's even though the second one's kind of a bit of a midlife crisis. A, a, you know, it does strike me as a bit of a midlife crisis second one, but it is Tom Cruise the biggest movie star in the world film. And then yes. you have this third third film where he's like thinking about more about family and marriage and, and there's more of a team
0: him. again the third one the third one's got more of that first yeah. film where they've got to do something where you go and do this and i go and do that mm. uh, and although you still have that it's still very centered around tom Cruise yeah more so than back into the third one so yeah and and now he's like the elder statesman isn't he yeah
2: and then now he's like kind of found his more footy, you have the other statements angle, and you have the kind of like, oh well, I'm finally set on where on where I am and where the series is, because it's like all about high high octane stunts. Sell, on one of the main selling point that it's really me doing them all, because I am tom cruise and i'm that fucking mental
0: <laughs> i mean he, he did them back here but and he did yeah, actually, yeah. Th- this is the film he gave up his salary and took a, of 20 million and took a back-end deal in order that they could fund him to do the stunts it's just that in retrospect they had a long way to go you know to where yeah. they are now um certainly tom cruise as he is now a lot of the complaints at the time were well this isn't mission impossible and the Jim Phelps character was always like a leader. Well, you have that now with yeah, Ethan. Yeah, now this film has been just, to
1: the villain, hasn't he? so it?
0: Yeah, he's very much an action leader now, Ethan, if you know what I mean. Yes. So I think they found a character for him, and they found a little bit of damage onto him, and there's a bit more there. Um, I found the conception of this film quite interesting. Um, back when we did uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, I listened to the commentary for that one. I think I did anyway. It may have been the it may have been the documentaries around it, but somewhere I heard the Russo say, uh reference Three Days of the Condor. Now Three Days of the Condor is a 1970s film. Directed and I didn't know who directed it at the time, I'm about to tell you, but I didn't know at the time. I just took it as oh, There's a load of 1970s conspiracy thrillers. They're referencing that one, and it happens to be one I haven't seen. But they could easily have said all the president's men or whatever. Then I started reading up on Mission Impossible. And obviously this all started with Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. It didn't start with the studio. It started with them saying, we'd like to bring this back. Now, you've got to remember around this time, they were making stuff like the Brady Bunch film and beverly hillbillies there was a period then of bringing tv shows back now they're rebooted on netflix 20 years later with the same cast but back here they put them on the big screen with the name
1: i think um, what, was there was this the, another paramount series that they that they acquired from um from lucille ball <laughs> from uh, dizzily studios
0: um, um which series are you thinking of
1: Um, there's this one and there was another Paramount series but I can't remember what it was oh
0: okay. I do remember the Beverly Hillbillies around this time, the year or so before and I remember the Brady Bunch and and it was a thing and Mission Impossible was like ripe for it um, it, no doubt, had Star Trek never come back since the 60s, they'd have rebooted it around here. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. So um, it was definitely I'll probably, that,
1: but... uh, Yeah, the, I think <clears throat> i just do my reading. Was it like The Untouchables or something? Trying to think of other Brian De Palma films. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, Brian Maybe De Palma did, did make The Untouchables, yeah. But I, I remember uh, I started looking into to this film and stuff, and the first writer-director they worked with was Sidney Pollack. Now, that's a name that sticks out to me. It was in Eyes Wide Shut and a few, lots and lots of other things. He appeared in a couple of Woody Allen films, uh, the best of which is probably Husbands and Wives. So he was really, really good in that as a sort of guy having a midlife crisis, Funny enough. Um, and so I just went back into, like, Sidney Pollack's filmography, just having a look, because I remember him first and foremost for, for, for Tootsie, which is a um, Dustin Hoffman comedy he was in as his um agent in fact if you've ever seen uh the film this year can you forgive me there's a sequence in that where our agent is saying to you to her no one will hire you and that seems to be taken almost from tootsie but i noticed Sidney pollock's filmography had three days of the condor on it so i had a little look at that film and it's effectively the premise of mission impossible a guy's entire team's killed and he has to stay free long enough to find out and prove what's happened and who was the mole in the camp. Mm-hmm. So this yeah, film pretty much the same, seems, isn't it? Seems to owe something to Sidney Pollock's early work on it.
2: Yeah, I mean the premise is kind of, I mean, I, funny enough, I did think of Fallout when I uh, when I saw while watching rewatching this yeah. show a little bit because uh, ref- a, a little bit of Skyfall
1: as well. see trying to capture well, it was the MacGuffin of trying to capture a disc or something with the names of.
2: Sense oh, of the, sense course! Information I'd not even thought of that. Yeah. Uh, but also, you have Max. Now it's also
0: like um, the. Well, Max's granddaughter in Fallout, or daughter. Yeah.
2: One of yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah. And it's this, and it's it got me thinking. There's a similar kind of role with the kind of like this. This because she. Cause she by all also both though they are bad guys, but both her, uh, her Max and her granddaughter, they're all kind of shady type people. They'd probably be villains in, in other situations. But it's much, much more about like, be, you know, trying to clear your name, and trying and, and trying to figure out, outplay like the mole, working within you.
0: And Do you know enough, what I mean? That, that woman, I'd forgotten Max. It had been a long time since I'd yeah. seen *Mission Impossible*, so I forgot Vanessa Redgrave had ever been in this. Hmm. Had you just shown me *Fallout* and shown me that woman, and said, think? older British act- actress I'd have said well she's got a bit of Vanessa Redgrave about her yeah so it's, it's really why. really interesting yeah uh, um what did you think of this film so just some opening thoughts what did you think of this film in general terms
2: uh Becca Who's first oh um, you're asking me sorry go on Becca
0: go I on don't really mind oh Becca go on
1: okie dokie um I was searching some fun facts and I was going to tweet somebody so I shall cut this out and answer um so, yeah, just kind of going in... I don't know, I, I guess... I was going to say going in blind, but I can't really say that. Um, going in, having seen what I've seen of the series up to now. Um, and haven't seen very little of the original TV series. All this time, I've still not seen it. Um, it's, it's very much... Yeah, we're talking about um, Bind of Palma being much, very much like a, a genre director. This, like, this is, you know, his, his spy movie, definitely. I mean, he's done... You know, you've got like the untouchables and um, you kind of got like um oh that hitchcock film he did with michael kane <laughs> there's basically a well the first
0: film i think of brian yeah. de would i think conspiracy so i think blowout
1: yeah blowout definitely as well so you can kind of he, he does he's very much kind of like um picks a specific genre and then kind of like ekes out everything in there um but no i, I had a really good time with that actually is it's along long you know a really quick pace i think it's like an hour Hour fifty and an hour forty-five, hour fifty, and there's somewhere. For me, it whips along. Um, I'd really forgotten about all those iconic, um, iconic action set pieces. Like, but for some reason, I misremembered it and thought that the aquarium scene happened a lot later in the film. I was like, oh, so you know, when it kind of happened, the pacing kind of threw me off. But I say it went really, really quickly. Um, and even though you know my very little my very little knowledge about like the TV series, um, you know, it's easy to figure out like who's who, what's going on. Um, but it is very much that cloak and dagger. So you really, you know, you really can't trust anybody until the end. Um, but I kind of—it was, you know, signposted posted a little bit, so it wasn't not entirely hoodwinked. Sorry, um, but I had a really good time. Um, really enjoyed it. But I i say I must agree with both of you guys. It's a completely different beast to the series as we know it today.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's—I think when you look, it. it... You know, looking at this film now, uh, you, uh, there isn't actually a lot of meat on there. Like in terms of plot, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, as you say, you got like it all, it's all compassed around the, the the three main set pieces. So you have like the the setup initially. Uh, you have the mission that goes wrong. Uh, he, he, he he realizes that he's like basically been set up. Uh, tries to figure out what. What what what's gone on? You know, um, and then you, then you basically just got like a few scenes of set up to like the whole language sequence. Then from there, you got a couple of scenes, and then of setting up to the the train, and that's your movie. There there isn't like a, a lot gone on. I mean, it is it, very tight, and I'm watching it now. Is is it, is it, it, it is a lot? It, it does feel more. Adults more than like the you know, the straightforward, you know, rather than the straightforward action films that they are now. But there isn't like a lot of meat on there. I think well, if it if, I've, if it has a weakness, it is that it just feels a bit too simplistic. But despite the fact it tries to come off, come across as like a lot way more intelligent, even though there were, there are some kind of clever little ways in which it plays around with that. Um, but I I. I think it's quite a simplistic film that tries to be over complex. Uh, but that's my main criticism. Other than that, I think it's quite tight, very easy to watch. Uh, I think Tom Cruise is, I think, is actually pretty good in this as well. Uh, first time, first time round. Um, yeah, strong cast. Uh, n- nice, nice direction. Very, very tense at the uh, Langley sequence, uh, which. Which does need to be mentioned, uh, it, you know the there's, there's the that tenseness of just like no music score whatsoever, just sort of makes it seem like it, it's amazing how like lack of music can like just amplify the 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 tension. Yeah, definitely
1: that really, that really struck me during that scene. Like you you sort of heard like the, the you know the film's theme music for example, like before and after, um that's used sparingly in that scene. There isn't even like like a tense like string line for example just literally dead silence and all you can hear is like any moisture or like when, when the knife kind of goes onto the table you should like sort of sound it and takes like, confidence wow.
0: to do that because it takes big it, hose to do that. most directors would would lean on the score to do some of the lifting for them in terms of building the tension but to palmer at this point was a veteran didn't need to do that um the score actually is a danny elfman score and again we've got a lot of change of sort of scoring through this uh, sequence and you'll yeah, it's notice quite it. Different, isn't it when you notice it uh, uh sorry when you listen to our series as a whole when we complete all of this you'll notice every intro has the Mission Impossible theme for that film and it's different every time same piece of music yeah they change it up every time obviously we've got Danny Elfman tonight and we've got like Hans Zimmer next week and then going forward I can't remember who did three and four off the top of my head without looking but obviously we've got um Oh, God, I'm blanking on the name. I was only having a conversation with Charlie about this a couple of days ago. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's, you know, uh, the the guy who's done it for the latest film, Balf. he's he, he's known for doing scores for things like Assassin's Creed. Uh, yeah, but he, he replaced Joe Kramer, who did five. And the, the, the rendition of the theme is different every time. Um, and you will notice that in our intros, we're playing something different every time. Here, it was actually, uh, I think, I hope I said Danny Elfman, I meant to, but it was Alan Silvestri to start with. And Alan Silvestri had recorded nearly half an hour of music for this film. Um, and they made a change, a fairly late change, and it's Danny Elfman. Um, doesn't really stand out either way for me. And in fact, there's a strange tension I noticed between when he's doing legacy music and when he's doing new music and that there'll be sequences where something feels com- the music feels completely out of line with anything you imagine in your head to be mission impossible and then it segues into the mission impossible music and it's actually quite jarring so i'm, I'm not sure how much i like Daniel. are Elfman's you talking
2: course. about um the the train sequence where... I might. yeah was that, the that, was where really, the was that was really that was really odd thing
0: and then it suddenly segwayed into Mission Impossible, and it was like yeah. two completely it's wild M- two don't really go unm- together.
2: It goes into like this
0: really triumphant, like... That
2: we've not heard before. And then...
0: It's like, what? It was a little bit like Batman, but it was what's
1: actually
0: his Batman scores. It reminded me of Eddie Goldenthal's Batman scores. And then it segwayed into Mission Impossible and felt totally different.
1: It was a bit odd, because they didn't try to use that theme. I mean, like with Batman, like... Um, Danny Elfman, it struck me out. It was a real surprise for me to learn it was Danny Elfman. That sounds really stupid. But it, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those, it, it's not, it's not, I, I can't quite describe it. I think the best way is probably you to describe it now. They're kind of these different themes running through the film. And then somehow he manages to segue and, you know, to literally shoehorn in that, you know, this is, for me, I'm a big fan of Danny Elfman, but for me, I, I, I'm for right Philistine for saying this, but I was sort of like, well, how? You know, it, it didn't, didn't compute, unfortunately. I did find it too jarring.
0: But for me, um the film generally, I mean the things that stood out to me is yes, it's completely different in tone. It's got a very nineties aesthetic to it. I don't know if that's film stock. The blacks it is are very very, it is very, very 90s, black. it's
1: the most nineties film. Um, you could probably I mean,
2: say that about most decades though, but like you know, we get to like um the second film, it's like that's a very naughty film. Like into, well like, i mean yeah i mean the, the first, early 2000s well. yeah
0: i mean all the all the 60s bond films have a similar aesthetic all the 80s bond films have a similar aesthetic and i think this has a similar it just looks similar in film stock and and finished to something like the crow even though mm. there's a completely different aesthetic in design there so yeah it feels like a mid-90s film on that sort of era of film stock um it It's not desaturated, but it's not overly saturated with colour either. The blacks are always very black. Um, There seemed to be a a thing in that era of a lot of sort of smoke and mist and stuff like that. I don't know if that was to cover lack of budgets in a um, pre-easily accessible CG era. I'm not quite sure. I was struck by how different Ethan is in this film, just because we've now got Tom Cruise at 56, 57 years of age doing all these amazing stunts. And he's not denying his age, but we're we're watching it and going, How the fuck's this man fifty six? And when <laughs> you watch him in when you watch him in this film, he sat in a leather jacket chewing gum and being a bit like cheeky to the boss, and it's like it it's still like he's still basically living off effectively a bit Maverick. Mm. A yeah, he's still bit. trying to
1: play that role, isn't he? Yeah, the,
0: the the sort of you know, the sort of slightly mouthy upstart. Um he is very good in it. Um The decades have been kind to him. He does look different. I mean, he's a little bit thinner here, particularly in the neck. Aging well. Uh, But he's aging well. Um, That's a discussion
1: on the photos. Like, well, he kind of looks the same. He Mm. hasn't aged that much.
0: 27, 28 minutes of this film, right up until, I think probably until he does end up in that restaurant, you know, where the fish tank is. Um, This feels like a television episode. Because I do remember you would start with, you know, I think there might might have been some pre-title set up I can never quite remember. And then you would have the titles and then you would have Jim Phelps getting his mission and that would, like, you know, self-destruct. And then, you, you know, that would lay out what the story was about, what they had to do. And typically it would involve them going into some building and, you know, almost heist film style, having to get at something. But there would be a tent full of people that you would know and of course, you can't know them here because it's the first film, but they've made up for that by having some names here. So, um, thinking of um, what she called Kristen Scott Thomas.
2: Yeah. a grave? Thinking,
0: thinking of, no, I'm thinking of the...
2: Oh, when you'll be out, yeah. You've got yeah, yeah. big rhyme, so he'll come off like, working with Tarotino. But again, that's
0: later. I'm talking about the team that go in for the first mission, Yeah. but you've got Emilio ah. Estevez and stuff like that, so there's some names there to get. Yeah, to, he's
2: re- really big
1: name. To
0: counteract of. the fact that you know you can't know these people, they're all given their particular tasks. There's normally like a table scene, if you like, where they're all sat round while they're briefed, and again, if you think of other heist films like Ocean's Eleven, there was a sequence in that where George Clooney had to describe exactly at length what they were going to do and what the things they would run into were. And then you would have this section of the film where they had to sort of go and do it. Um, And that's what the first 28 minutes or so of this film is. But obviously it finishes with it going wrong rather than right. And then it sort of morphs into something else. But to say this isn't Mission Impossible, which a lot of the stars of the original show said, and actually I can understand why the guy who played Jim Phelps was annoyed because it's meant to... Originally, they tried to sell this as being in the same continuity because um, Mission Impossible did get, like, a new series towards the end of the 80s, and this is only five or six years later. But it, it is very Mission Impossible to start with, and then it becomes something else entirely. Um, I was struck by the relative lack of action. and uh, What we consider a big stunt now and what we considered a big stunt there is very different. Uh, in terms of actor and the danger of the actor in the fish tank is probably the most dangerous sequence because the helicopter and train thing would have been done with a bit of back projection of green screen or whatever else. Mm. That's more like the stunt in the, in the fugitive or something where Richard Kimball has to jump off the train and things like that. So um, I liked it. I think what I would say is I got no, insight into the characters now it is difficult in genre cinema i was thinking about this with men in black that we know nothing about the men in black by design because they don't have a personal life they don't even have a name so but somehow when those films are done right which they really haven't been since the first one you do get something of an insight into the character here ethan hunt is just a you know a cipher a a kind of yeah, he's just an, an avatar for the leading man. We get no insight into anybody really, and you can see hints from earlier script, earlier versions of the script, that I think they were going to play like the three-way love tension between John Voigt, Emmanuel beer and Tom Cruise, and it's not quite there. They try to play it a little bit at the end of the film, and it's like that's a hangover from a previous script so
2: it's it's there in the performance you can see like the the sexual tension between um
0: yes you can and um but what i'm saying is i think it was literally there earlier yeah and actually I've, it's almost hinted one of the reasons he kills his wife is you know he, he feels like there was something between her and ethan which was kind of hinted at in one scene before beforehand but i don't think it did happen and for me, that, like... that,
1: that really jars because i think at the end he's like oh thou shalt not cover thy neighbour's wife and
0: then like, i think th- did... and then
1: there's there was kind of some ten- uh, to me personally yeah. i didn't feel any sort of tension between them and i didn't really get the chemistry um but then i, I was doing some research and apparently there was a scene prior to the credits and i kind of explained the love triangle but it was yeah. cut apparently so yeah for me i just fell on deaf, deaf ears unfortunately
0: yeah, more with you than with Chris on it. I did feel some chemistry between Yeah, a little but... bit,
2: but I just wasn't feeling but, all of it, unfortunately. No,
0: they, that love triangle's not a thing, really. Yeah. No. They,
2: they didn't, it isn't established, I grant you. No. I think it's a lot more... I mean, I think in the film, it's. It, I think they try to present it as, like, more of seduction rather than, like, actual... That That is in context rather than in text, if you know what I mean. Yes, I, I think yes. Yeah. It's more about oh, she you know, put put with me charms, and you went to sort of see it rather than have it been said or any, anywhere. Um,
0: but it's, yeah uh, but apart from that, it's I mean they shot in Prague, which which is very popular now. I mean a couple of years later, the the Blade sequel would film there. Or a few years later, the Blade sequel was actually about six or seven years later, six years later. Um, but it's all on a very small canvas with a lot of smoke and mist and stuff covering so it doesn't have the scale now where you get big establishing shots of london or paris or whatever so it's a smaller film it's not worse for that um no hint to what this would become but i enjoyed it with reservations the re- the main reservation being i didn't finish the film knowing any more about the characters than when i started really and that didn't bode well for uh, a series, unless you really are going to up the ante on action, which it wasn't quite clear at this point whether they would or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, we do get—I mean, we do get like sort of the the things that do stick, like such as uh, Ethan's not willing to to kill anyone on the mission, or, or sorry, anyone in the. He's not willing
0: to lose. Yeah, and he doesn't want to lose anyone either. That yeah. that always sticks. Right out, uh, right to fall out. I mean if he'd been willing to let a couple of his teams start at the die at the start of fallout fallout wouldn't have existed as a film if you like Mm. so that film is all that ethan did the right thing by his team at the start so it feels in continuity but obviously it's a very very different piece and of course it's all very well sat here and saying well tom cruise is a completely different character in this well actually he's 22 young years younger than he was in fallout so you would expect some changes anyway um yeah so with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially?
2: Yeah, the only thing I, I, I'll I think what what um, what made this particular film success not necessarily the the the, the future sequels. um I think credit has to be done to the to the original theme tune and just how how much this probably sold this film. You know, I think I'm I've, I reckon at the time everyone's kind of had the do 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 in the head and I think that that's probably what they what they had to actually what made them go and see the film as opposed to anything else.
0: I won't ruin it now. I have mentioned it on previous podcasts but who's going to remember? But there's one thing they do in certainly the fourth film that they haven't done in the film since that I just think that would have been your Bond gun barrel had you carried yeah. on doing it but we'll get there when yeah. we get there. But What I will say is it, it's certainly as iconic as, as anything music-wise, like the Bond theme. Yeah, it's
1: one of it, the most iconic themes, I think, it, in TV. Them,
0: them going to credits with lighting the fuse is is a big thing in the style of the series. Um, and so it does have its touchstones. It's not as internally consistent in look as Bond, because they didn't have that sort of Bible, if you like, of how this is now how a Bond film must look by like the third entry. But it stands out as a series in its own right in exactly the same way it just hangs on one man a lot one actor a lot more i'm not sure it will survive tom cruise moving on but maybe who knows he might move upstairs and become a true jim phelps character we'll see in time but yeah this series now has its touchstones and and it does stand out as having distinctive things that are very mission impossible
2: and with that we shall talk about the film sequentially.
0: Okay. Do we start on the plane with Jim Phelps?
2: No, no, we don't. So we we, we start off because it, it is like Bond. It's a pre like a pre credit title uh, scene where we have uh, basically it, it it's the stuff with the masks, isn't it? They're, they're doing like a an operation where they're gotcha. like st- the the staging They're trying to get like information from this guy and. Very uh, like the
0: hospital room in Fallout.
2: Yeah, pretty much the same. The same, the same kind of premise of like doing like a stage thing, but it's really just like a big studio where they're like recording everything and get, trying to get a confession out of him. And um, it, it 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 it's actually quite funny to watch this now because they they have the big old thing with the, the masks, and obviously they get to the point where they just have the actors stand in until they take the mask off. Yeah, but now, they don't at this point No, it's it just basically like Tom Cruise and all my makeup <laughs> yeah um, and now now I'll be, one of my criticisms of the first first, of this first part of the film is it's a bit too brief I never got a hang on what was actually going on, who is this guy what information they're trying to get what situation are we supposed to be in um, and it just felt a, a, it just felt like a reveal or something that was just a bit too quick i I don't know what you guys felt
0: i would have liked a little mini mcguffin here uh to or rather for it to be more obvious yeah what they're doing um as as a reveal of the heightened reality of this um this type of thing that they wear masks and look like somebody else and stuff like that It, it did its job it gave us a little bit of an introduction to the team you've got like emilio estevez behind a computer screen and stuff like that which is a key part of any of these teams now. So worked okay for me. I did actually remember just after I asked the question, the standard format of Mission Impossible, if I recall correctly, was Jim would get his mission after the titles. So, yes, there had it couldn't have started there. There was that pre-title bit first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the title sequence itself looks dated as hell, now. Yeah, well, it's very traditional, isn't it? It's yeah. basically... I've got a
1: fun facts about the title sequence coming up at the end okay. of the
0: show. Well, you know, the the camera sort of going in on a character's face in three beats. Mm-hmm. Uh the the, the very old fashioned titles on it. Um would have been a nice blast of almost a hint of nostalgia for certain people watching this I'd have thought though.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um I'd say it would have been like the the sort of same sort of thing of trying to keep this in context with Mission Impossible. So yeah, we we go from this sequence to in the mask, the whole whole get up to uh, yeah. Jim Phelps on the plane. Uh, he gets is. He's biggest...
0: asked if he wants to watch a film. Yeah. He says no, and then it's he's asked, movie, "What about cinema the cinema of the Ukraine?" Of the Ukraine. <laughs> I like that. It has to be something a bit odd just to get mm. his attention, I suppose. Well, but then yeah. Also,
1: you're coming out as I say, coming out of the, the Cold War. A lot of countries are kind of you know of the, the former Eastern Bloc, kind of shedding their communist shackles, I guess. So it's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, and thought about that, but of course yeah, the the Ukraine really didn't stand alone for very long before this film. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and he gets his mission, which is about the loss of a, a knock list, the CIA non-official cover list. I did have to look this out. I think the film tells us enough.
1: It goes the... goes really quickly, doesn't he? He's like, "Well, this is it. Hold well, up, here's your explanation. That's it. Wow. it. Doesn't really give you much information."
2: It, it's basically because uh, a a list with sensitive information needs to be obtained.
0: It's a list that basically uh, will reveal the names. Well, they've got part of the list already, but it would marry code names to real names mm. of all non-official agents out in the field. Now, to look up, what do you mean by non-official? Well, it is this business of whether they'll be disavowed or not. In that there are agents out there who are on who, who would base, basically the difference is if you're on the official list. Lethal Weapon Two style: when you get caught, you just claim diplomatic immunity. If you are on the non-official list, you will be disavowed. Effectively, that's the difference.
2: Yeah. I got you.
0: So this is basically IMF agents or the like. And yes, obviously there is a sort of slight link to something like Skyfall that names are will get out there. But it's the difference is it's not about sticking them on YouTube and the public knowing it is about you know.
2: Not in
0: being available to enemies,
2: hmm. which is basically the same principle, because really, most of the public are like, "Who's that?" But <laughs> well, yeah, but it's about getting that information out there to to wrong hands. Um, so yeah, then we go straight to um, we get the, the 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 gangle getting together. We get the initial establishment of the team. We have Tom Cruise. We have the compressed
0: TV episode. Get the team. Get the team together and explain what it is you want them to do. Yeah. Now, the team, I can't really remember character names. They are in front of me on the screen because I do have, like, the page up, but I'm not going to refer to it except where I need to because if they didn't stick, then it's kind of a slight flaw of the film, if you like. So um, the fact that I can't remember them, I'm not going to sort of cheat on, but you've obviously got Emilio Estevez there. Yeah. You've got uh, Manuel Beat's character as Claire Phelps. I did remember that because she's Jim Phelps' wife um and a few others christine scott thomas i know is called sarah but i can't remember the full name obviously without looking um and you've got another lady there who called hannah. Not... hannah hannah right okay yeah, she plays uh, yeah um and they are basically told what their mission is they have to go into this embassy or whatever it is i think it is the american embassy in prague And they've got to stop the theft of this list. That's what it is. They've got intel that that list is going to be taken, and it is like a compressed TV show. They've all got various things to do. So you've got Emilio Estevez trying to make sure lifts are in the right place and doors are open and all that sort of thing. That in the series now, Benji and Luther kind of split between them because they've got. Yeah, they came to this. Well, it's a bit like the Fast franchise. They introduced two different characters at different times and they've ended up having much the same skill set. So if you were designing the series from scratch now, you wouldn't have Luther and Benji.
1: No.
0: Um, Or you would push Benji more into the field and away from computers. But, of course, they've been introduced at different times. But the, uh, the version at this stage is... Obviously, um, Emilio Estevez's character. You've got Kristen Scott Thomas playing, I don't know, the society lady or something who's got to talk to the right people and put a tracker on somebody. She actually sprays something on somebody's hair. Yes, perfume. Yeah, so he can be sort of picked up on ultraviolet or whatever that is or heat signature, whatever that is. I
1: think that's really clever. You know, use of gadgets and and espionage as well. You can see a little bit of spycraft in there too.
0: Mm. And I like what it's already establishing now is you might see sequences again later to pick up details you missed at the time. So there are various things going on in the back of shots here that we don't notice on first viewing. But we'll come back to that a bit later Mm. on when he's talking to Jim Phelps. Mm. Uh, And, yeah, everything sort of slowly starts to unravel. Jack suddenly can't work something with his computer. and The lift is doing the wrong thing and so on.
2: Yeah, I mean, what was about you know what struck me about the uh, the, the the initial meet up with the with the plan was how how everything's all that that movie aesthetic like we we're, we're all friends we get together <laughs> oh that coffee you know that kind of thing like walk well, that...
0: around the table first yeah <laughs> I thought that was really forced because you had Tom Cruise this will have been a choice yeah you had him chewing gum which obviously has a point because he's handed something a bit like gum later but he's chewing gum which is a bit disrespectful in formal meetings, I suppose. And he's wearing a leather jacket. And it is a bit like having a cross between Maverick and the Fonz there. <laughs> and he's like, you know, doing the well, coffee. I'm the cool kid here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Tom Cruise, if he's bad at one thing, he's very bad at forced laughter. Tom Cruise <laughs> has always been really bad at the blokey bit, where they're all round a table and laughing at something. He's he, being a He always overdoes it. He's not very good at that. So that was a bit forced. But yeah, yeah. the gist is they've got to get the mission out to him. And yeah. we know that Jim Phelps' his wife is in the room as well.
2: Yeah. We get introduced to the gum. Well, you know, it's... Uh, which doesn't strike me as, as, as the safest of explosives. To, to no, no. He's
0: thing. only got a f- falls over in your pocket.
2: And, <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and you're done for. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but uh, you have not seen it, it's double-sided gum, basically. One end of it. Good light, green light yeah and basically if you push them together and throw them at something somehow it magically sticks as well because basically if i threw a piece of dried gum at like a fish tank it would bounce off but anyway, <laughs> um that will it, cause i mean are you thinking time. about
2: the fish tank where it's like water i think what well, mm-hmm. that might have played but yeah well, water not on the outside of it yeah but anyway true. <laughs> yeah, he didn't throw it into it did he no no but, no but he kind of i did notice there was like a when you threw it. There was like glass knocking over, so it could have got through the. I don't know.
0: I've um, just got some moisture on it. Okay, it's yeah. not that big a deal. No, it's not. <laughs> but it is probably the mo- the whole setup scene is very TV show, but it's probably also the most forced scene in the mm. film because we've established no chemistry between anybody yet. Um, the chem- the heavy list lifting on names and chemistry is de- being done by the fact there's names mm. there. There are people we've heard of from other things. And Tom Cruise is really bad at blokey force jollity. He's he's not very good at it. I, you know, I I must rewatch Tom Top Gun before next year's sequel, but I remember not really liking it on that basis. That was one of the reasons I didn't like it. Tom Cruise is a very very gifted actor in my opinion, but it's just something he's not that great at.
2: Um, we also get introduced. Well, we, we also like they ask um, Jim. Uh... Oh, where where did he just come from? when he was like, "Awesome oh, sort of train exercise," and yeah. in the in a Chicago hotel. Yeah, it's
0: like Saint George's Hotel, Chicago, yeah. or something like that.
2: And the, the five yeah. star, yeah, five star surface, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Those Gideons <laughs> stamping their Bibles.
0: Careful, Becca. People might be pausing this and watching a moment at a time to keep up. Oh, with- spoiler alert! Know. Yeah. Okay, so we they go. I've seen this film since thing-
1: 1996.
0: Like what I had. We- do we want to say much about the whole sort of gone wrong thing they're about to do? I'm am struggling to remember how it unravels actually. It's the first sign is Jack's computer work starts going wrong.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um because he's he's in the lift because he has to be close to uh, where well, he's in top of sat on top of it isn't it? Yeah. He? Yeah. Um and yeah Tom Cruise is going in as like uh, uh, as a politician. Yes. Doing his like kind of southern accent in his in the old man face, um.
0: and we see stuff like this later in Ghost Protocol and others, where some computer work's being done mm. behind the scenes to get your. I think you see it. It might even be in uh, Rogue Nation where Benji's got to like walk through that area, mm. and all of the computer work, including him getting through the gate in his car at the start, is having to be done very quickly behind the scenes on computers via hacking yeah and that's all established here isn't it
2: yeah you've got like uh, they have
0: people... to plant sarah's like thumbprint and mm. and picture
2: oh uh, yeah they have to wait or oh, can we just like sort of you know test these out and they have to like wait for it as as they're actually trying to get the thing through um so yeah so they've got all all that stuff they've um they they're basically sort of like following this this one guy aren't they
0: yeah Guy who's had his hair sprayed effectively yeah. by Sarah. Yeah. Um, um and I can't really remember how that goes wrong, even having watched it yesterday. It's it the I suppose the details, unlike an Oceans Eleven, the details don't really matter. You just see the individual's bits hmm. slowly not working. Um and of course, because there's a mole, they're they're all being like picked off. So Jack's the lift gets overridden and he yeah. gets like forced up and speared
2: yeah i mean i did wonder what those things do on top of lifts
0: i don't know what they're there for <laughs> just in case we need to stab the top of the lift
2: and and, and to be fair he does kind of like plank go straight into it i like, it doesn't sort of try to sort of like lie flat
0: or ju- or anything no he just goes straight goes, eye first, first onto it. hang on he let, looks me, up, let me just, let me first. just
2: yeah let me just reach up in there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: There, there is the odd gap between them, but anyway, it didn't. Yeah, he dies. Uh, I can't really remember the rest of them. Um, Uh, Hannah's blown up in a car. Yeah. That that we previously saw Claire in. Yes. So initially, you think Claire's been killed as well.
2: Yes, uh, Uh, because he gets called to uh, disavow, uh, and then he, um, and then but Ethan decides to carry on the mission. Uh, so he sends Sarah. Yeah, Phelps
0: rings him and tells him to stop.
2: Yeah, and and then he sees Phelps get shot by a gun, and yeah. then he, and, and he just sort of seems sort like of kind of fall off, and then yeah. he sort of then he goes back and sees the car explode in front of him, and then he goes yeah. back, and finds Sarah stabbed.
0: Sarah has basically followed this guy, and the guys found him dead, yeah. basically stabbed against a sort of grate of a doorway. And by the time Ethan gets there, she's dead as well. Yeah. So that's the team done. Uh, and then he is. How does he end up with Kittredge? Does Kittredge call him? Or does he know to go there? I can't remember.
2: Um. Well. He, or does yeah. he go to the safe house first? Yeah, I he, go, re- he goes to the safe house first. And then he goes to meet. Um, he gets a call from kidridge because obviously yeah, everything's just gone to shit he's going back to kind of like report because he's got nowhere else to go that's uh, right. and that's when
0: your bit turns up so he knows she survived she wasn't in the no crowd. that's afterwards he goes back that's uh, after, is it? okay
2: uh yeah so he fairly go meet so he meets the director and he basically sort of reveals to him well well even kind of figures out kind of cleverly that. It's like, well, what, about the, what about the other teams? He spots people. Why was there, there another sleep... team there?
0: Yeah. And then we get flashbacks. So shots we've seen, but it does really subtly. I've got to mm. give credit to De Palma here. You get a repeat of the shot of Sarah on the stairway. There's a guy behind her. Mm. But it's subtle. It, you'd never, even if you were looking at it for it, you wouldn't look mm. and go, that guy's a bit dodgy. And a couple of them are in the restaurant anyway, where they're yeah. meeting.
2: Because that, that's, that's where he picks up. He sees people in a restaurant that he's already sort of recognised from
0: yeah, and he's like, okay, why was there another team there? And something has been wrong within the IMF for a mm-hmm. period of time. Um, I don't know if Max is dropped at this point or not. No, no, he's um, this-
2: because he's trying to basically the whole whole mission was uh, was all set up. There was it was just to flush out the mole, and as and now it turns out that he's the only one member who's who survived. I.e., he must be the, the prime suspect. Or yeah. he's like, well, you're the only survivor, so it must be you now.
0: There was a mole in there. You're all dead. There's you left. You're the mole.
2: Yeah. So it's it's, it's kind of like clever thinking because you know what what this film kind of kind of does is kind of it it tell it tells you one thing, but it's at the same time you're you're seeing Tom Cruise kind of like shit, shit, shit. You're not sat there, the audience thinking, oh shit, is Tom Cruise the mole? Cause you because you, you know well, obviously. Tom Cruise isn't the mole, and he's thinking, uh, "Right, what what can I do? I, I've been set up here. I've been royally stitched up. So what do I need to do?" Um, so yeah, this
0: some chewing gum.
2: <laughs> yeah, This this the 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 line was like, "You've never seen me very upset," um, and uh, yeah, the director's got really kind of I, I forget the name of the actor. Uh, Is it Henry...
0: Henry Chesney. Chesney. Chesney.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's got that very sort of mid-90s political flur kind of like aesthetic, isn't he? That kind of very... He he wouldn't be out of place in a a Bourne film. No, he
0: he, he, he would be uh, running Treadstone or something. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm looking through his filmography now to see what I've seen him in and it's not a lot. There's names I know on there. There's things I think I've seen, but Yeah uh definitely seen the 18 film but
1: oh uh, yeah
0: <laughs> exorcism of emily rose i think i've seen uh yeah but of course it's 20 years on for i was imagining him the same age now he's like 60 so he'd have been in his late 30s at this point so yeah um so yeah he basically throws gum at this massive fish tank that's at the side of the restaurant and just runs yeah Relatively little running in this film. This is the <laughs> this is the this is the dangerous stunt of the film, if you like. He jumps. He ran around and yeah, runs. He ran, you, yeah, he ran away from a real um, exploding fish tank, basically.
2: Did you not think there was like excessively large amount of water for that one fish tank? Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, was, was, was it one big tank or were there lots of little tanks? I don't know. I
0: thought, I thought there was one big tank. But I thought I was there was a, a
1: series tank. of seriously looked at because there's a lot of fish in that tank.
0: Yeah. I thought it was,
1: there was maybe two or three. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Even Hunt not willing to sacrifice an innocent person, but willing to kill off lots of innocent fish. <laughs> mm.
1: Also, did you also spot in this film two really interesting cameos? One we'll mention later on in the film, but Andreas Visnevsky from The Living Daylights.
0: No, I didn't notice that. Look, he's,
1: he's yeah, he's the he's one of the heavies um, with like a long blonde hair. And he's a lot less deadly in this film.
0: Oh, I can he's... picture him now. He wasn't a unigate milkman, so how would I recommend No, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, okay. He wasn't a
1: balloon salesman either.
0: Looking at the plot summary just in front of me here, that he is told about Maxia as as part of job three one four. That's
2: a yeah. job. Yeah. Good so job. he
0: runs back to the safe house and realizes it's a Bible reference. Yeah. But yeah. Emmanuel Beer is there as well, so she survived. Claire. Yeah. The next thing is, basically, he needs to chase that lead. And what I like about this is it's just pretty... He just he gets onto a Usenet group, which tells you the uh, age of this film.
1: Yeah, all the technology instantly dates to this movie, obviously. It's very 90s.
0: Yeah. Very internet in its early stages. Yeah, message boards. And basically um, just sends countless messages in countless languages, referencing you know languages? the Bible verse Job 314. And, yeah to To this character Max, who he manages to find on the database somewhere.
2: Ah, yeah. So he gets in touch, and so he he basically he basically tries to make a deal. He kind of okay. Well, I'll get in touch with with Max, trying to set, outplay the Joe the mole. You know, yeah. You know, uh, and try and and try and sort of essentially. Well, I'm I'm in the shit. I might as well try and like get myself out of it by find
0: her to to prove she had contact with the mole so we'll know who the mole was yeah and also if i set it up correctly i can intercept it before she gets the full list yeah therefore i sell her the list quite legitimately but i i smoke out the mole and i don't actually end up giving anything away yeah that's the the whole idea
2: yeah to basically sort of prove his his innocence, as whole thing. So it's again, it is kind of similar, a little bit like Fallout, a little bit, a little, you know, he's got similar sort of tones. Um, yeah, absolutely, and
0: of course, this film is really, really tight because we're we'll yeah. running into Act Two now. Because uh, the gist from here is they work out that the actual uh, the the list, yeah, the, um, she's been given a fake list, and actually, because it was a setup, it was a fake list, and the real ones at Langley, mm. CIA headquarters. Now, the one bit of this film I didn't quite understand is Ethan describes, or between them, they describe, firstly, he picks up two disavowed agents because they're the only people he can trust because they're no longer within the IMF. So it's Luther, by, uh, who will see, Bing Rames, who we'll see in every film from now on. And it's John Reno, who plays Krieger, I think he's called.
1: Yeah.
0: John yep. Reno in a really cool role. What I love is the three of them have this conversation where we find out what they're going to have to do at Langley. It's that pre-heist, here's all the obstacles that the audience are going to go, how are they going to get round that, and then you'll see us do it. I don't know how Ethan Hunt knew all that.
2: Um, I, I don't suppose it matters, really. I think if I don't it,
0: suppose it matters, but I did think watching it, I was thinking, hang on a minute, how does he... Well, I,
2: I I imagine he, he's probably, you know, been into Langley and kind of like knows some stuff but other than that he would have done what um him unless
0: he knows what the general procedure for that noculus normally is yeah i.e when it's not being paraded around but... a fucking prague embassy I,
2: I suppose it's probably like well how how do they know information about anything you know it's it's all just like oh well they they they, it's their job to find his own. It's they? just
0: that it's the CIA headquarters, and and the IMF is not the CIA. Yeah. So how would they know that? If it was held at IMF headquarters, yeah, you'd yeah. You'd go right. He's now got to infiltrate his own headquarters. He knows how difficult it is because he works there, but he knows the layout of it because yeah. he works there. Doesn't matter. I just noticed it this time and thought, hang on a minute. There's absolutely no way he'd know that. But okay, that's fine. Uh, okay. So. The number of things they've got to get through here, this thing is on a computer terminal in a room that you can only access with some sort of recognition through a door.
1: It's lifted straight out of 2001 A Space Oddity.
0: The only other way in is down through a grate that is covered with like tracking, you know, lasers, motion Mm -hmm. lasers. Um, the floor is sensitive to any touch, even a bead of water, and we actually see when a bit of condensation comes off a cup, it sets it off. Mm. Um, any rise in temperature, yeah, and any noise, and you cannot go in through the front door. <laughs> so, that's pretty hardcore. I like that. That's the whole point of something like Mission Impossible. Yeah. Well, that is possible. How would you do it? And, yeah, what do they start by doing? They get in via setting off a fire alarm. Yeah. So they go in as basically firefighters. Emmanuel peels off into another room. The people, given they're in a top government facility, the people shepherding them around aren't paying much attention, are they? There were three firefighters and then there's suddenly two because she's peeled off. But she peels off to change into, like, standard CIA, you know, Desk female attire yeah. goes into the like the canteen with a guy who basically works in that room, and puts a tracker on him, and also puts something in his drink that's going to make him uh, sick.
2: Yeah, um...
0: and same time, Jean Reno and Tom Cruise are going in via the air vents to try and get through that grate, and they put some. Interceptor on it to basically keep not break the signal but allow a gap through it.
2: Mm. Me- meanwhile, um, yeah, Big Rames is like in advance, tracking
0: where that guy is and that sort of stuff,
2: yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's again, yeah, this, this is
0: probably like the, the big centerpiece of the film, uh, part, yeah. And you've got to be fit to do this. I couldn't hold my body in that position for very long, hmm. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is basically lowered down by Krieger. Uh, and is basically to work at that terminal. Before the guy comes back, he's going to be sick. So there's lots yeah. of things where he comes into the room and Tom Cruise has to be sort of lifted out. Yeah. He puts something on the desk that intercepts that sort of tech, that you know monitors the temperature. And also he's sweating and he's having to catch that at some point. So loads going on here but basically he's got to download that knock list from that terminal
2: yeah and, it, and it just, it, it, it's just very tense it's just a, really well, really it, well it's done a superb scene.
0: sequence it's quite balletic because he has to move in the mm. air and swing around and things like that and Jean Reno is being bothered by like a rat mm. uh, where there's noise he's struggling to hold Tom Cruise's way anyway so yeah, that's the bit where he gets dropped to the floor, which is the iconic shot yeah. of him just like a, a couple of inches off the floor with his body held out as straight as possible. Yeah. At the same point, he's sweating and that's about to drop to the floor. It's really really tense. Yeah. But but obviously the whole point is that he does manage to download that off that PC
2: and then get out just in the nick of time.
0: Gets out just as the guy comes and, in. Just and, as he's done it, The knife, yeah. John Reno drops the knife. That knife is relevant. Yeah. That it really one.
1: is. Pay attention.
0: Yeah, that knife is relevant. So they Pay get out of there. Seven. They've got what they need. And then there's just a bit of inter team stuff for a couple of sort mm. of scenes before we go to the next thing, isn't it? Got um well him and Krieger fall out over who holds onto that list. And there's two different discs.
2: Yeah.
0: And he double bluffs him. He makes Krieger believe he's holding like the blank one. And he's yeah. not. He's actually holding the real one.
2: <laughs> Which is, you know, quick thinking, really, isn't it? And, and, and it's good, It's good job that Tom Cruise knows the magic trick.
0: Isn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah. and, and to be fair to me, he sells that really well. Like, and, 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 I mean, I, I know it's like a movie, so probably, like, you know, you probably you know special effects and that, but he he, he does it, like, full-on on camera. Yeah.
0: The guy, um, the guy who was sick, reports that it's been broken into because he saw the knife yeah. spots. That there's just been a download off that PC. Reports it to Kittredge, who I think sends him to Alaska, and they They've arrest a twat Hunt, for it. <laughs> yeah, they, they arrest Hunt's family as well for you know on some yeah. tra- trafficking charge. And at the same time, Hunt is now in London. Is at Liverpool yeah. Street Station in London, or in a room above it. Uh, they they know he's in London. He calls in and they trace him that far, but not exact location.
2: Mm.
0: And he goes to make as he makes that phone call, he looks to the next uh, sort of cubicle because it's payphones, and there's Phelps.
1: Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Yeah. dun looking Literally, dun dun dun.
0: <laughs> looking like he's just been stabbed. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he's playing sick. Yeah,
1: he, he doesn't look very good. He's and I love style. the
0: conversation they have. They go off for like a coffee or whatever. Mm. And during that conversation, Hunt works everything out in his mind.
2: Yeah, he's got it all he doesn't sorted. let on. Yeah.
0: So he's playing different things in his mind. And at one of them is actually a manual bit possibly blowing the car up. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that kind of he, that's
1: left a bit open, isn't it, towards the end of the film? That's kind that's, of, that's, that's why he
0: doesn't know about her. Because he plays another scenario in his mind where Phelps comes out of the water and blows it up. Yeah. So but I, I, I think, though,
2: I think really, I think it, what he was right in the first one. I think he, he was, was right on the first one. But he just didn't want to believe it. It was like no. And he
0: wasn't sure and it could have been Phelps. That's why he has to mm. be find out at the end of the film. Mm. That conversation, he basically works it all out. It's all to do with a Gideon stamp was the first clue. Yeah. And he actually plays all the scenarios in his mind that logically Phelps could is the only person that could have done it all. Although there is one subset that might have been done by his wife.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh and he doesn't I... let on. He doesn't let on at all. It's just no, we've got this thing, get on the train. And you're kind of thinking like, it does. Phelps know that he knows now, as well. Like...
1: Yeah, that's kind of like, oh, well, kn- in the moment, keep, keep some of those books. are so like, who knows what? Who knows what? You know?
0: It's tense Wait. because you don't know. And actually, it turns out Phelps didn't know. I don't think not at that point. But um, he kind of works it out once he's on the train. So yeah, they go to a tra- They're going to go to a train to do this exchange with Max, who's then going to take that disc and upload it to her servers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> while she's on a train so that's what the whole final sort of act of the film's going to be yeah
2: while well, they're en route to paris
0: yeah it's the it's the very new at that stage channel yeah
1: the eurotunnel channel yeah. tunnel or channel
0: yeah there yeah
1: again uh, this is such a 90s film
0: it is well then oh it God. being this new big set piece thing it would the have technology, been
1: technology more... channel tunnel and also those mm i was just really surprised um like a bank of phones it's like you don't see those anymore obviously everyone has those mobiles now but it's just one of those things like growing with them, growing up in the 90s sort of thing that like, you used to see everywhere and you don't see now and i don't like, get
0: like, phones anymore i thought they were still around
1: it's very very occasionally i think where is he meant to be is he it's like victoria or somewhere i think which station he's street. street. liverpool that street that was it yeah. um and i, I do I get to get London very occasionally but i don't go to that particular station very often but it's like they probably didn't have payphones
0: there anymore or so the, the west either takes you into paddington or waterloo mm-hmm. and the north takes you into euston generally Houston, maybe that's if what chris was at. going to london yeah because i used to live up in like the northwest so those yeah. are the three stations we'd be familiar with sure. and occasionally when you've got to go across london or get to mainland services you might go across to like king's cross, St. Kings cross yeah so yeah, Liverpool yeah Street, if, if what given where the prisons. three of us live in the country although it's three different places we wouldn't go there no. so I don't even think I've ever been to that station
1: no I think I'm, I've been through Eastern I've kind of I've gone to. I've been to Euston
0: loads um, when I lived in Liverpool because I dated someone who's from around London so we used to go down to, to there
1: mm-hmm. yeah. but I just think it's quite interesting again it's another thing that marks out as being a very 90s film
0: definitely but I, I wasn't aware how many payphones there are still around but I suppose there'd be fewer than this wouldn't there
1: mm, I would imagine
0: yeah okay so the next thing is they've got this whole set is around a, a, a train they've basically got to catch phelps in the act uh, because max will recognize him so he's going to be caught in the act Kittredge is there ethan needs to find out what's going on with the claire character and yeah they've basically got to stop yeah. stop and they've got to stop this list being uploaded to the servers and they've got to stop phelps getting away on jean Reno's um helicopter because while Cruz was working all this out, Ethan, he worked out mm. that knife and everything else that actually Krieger was was actually involved as well.
2: And I love how some of the thought gone into this. So obviously they established that like Max, um, you know, is a bit is a bit anomalous. So people, you know, kind of generally assume that it, it's a guy when really it's it, it's you know Vanessa Redgrave.
0: It's Maxine or whatever. Yeah. 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 So so, so they kind of
2: like so you have like big there. In a suit, on a with a, with a computer, he's trying to trying to like sort of block
0: the. He's trying to block the signal, isn't
2: he? But he, he sees um, uh, Kittridge, and obviously they're looking for people who could potentially be Max, i.e., a guy with a laptop. And he's like, "Well, shit!" Yeah, <laughs> that,
0: don't forget, Ving Rhames at this point is a disavowed agent. Yeah, as well. So he would immediately go, "Hang on a minute, that's Luther." Yeah. You know, we... <laughs> so he's clearly involved. So he goes to leave, and of course, he leaves the phone there, which will continue to block the signal. But mm. some kind commuter spots it, picks it, and follows him. Yeah, and of course, it cuts out everyone else's phone on the way to him, which means that draws Kittridge's attention. It's really quite tense. It's really yeah. well done.
2: Um, and then, yeah, you have, um, yeah, you, you see, don't you, you see um, Phelps, or you see. Someone you think is Phelps, um, a yeah. sort of.
0: manual be it. Goes to the. Uh, don't don't I, it,
2: don't you see him like put the gun together, or am I thinking that is that mis- that mistake of the film? Or am I just misremembering? Because I definitely I, see like. I don't know. I don't know. I definitely see the Actually, guy in the trench coat. We,
0: you're absolutely right. I think, but yeah, they go to like the baggage car. Yeah. Um, and she meets obviously up with her husband. And just immediately spills, you know, Hunt knows this and this is what's going mm. on and we've got to do that. And, of course, he pulls off the mask and it's Ethan.
2: Mm.
0: So that was the first time we saw someone mimicking someone literally, you know, the actor standing mm. in. Um, we'll see a lot more of that from 2 onwards and even the voice thing from 2 onwards. Mm. Um, that's it, isn't it? And then Ethan turns up and he goes, well, I... Uh, and." Phelps actually explains. He's like, "Yeah, that's why you're here. Like, that, that is exactly why he's called you here." Because, and Ethan says to him, "I knew about you, but I couldn't be sure about Claire." Mm. So they're both basically both moles as a husband and wife team. Um, and he shoots Claire, and that's where you get that line Becker referred to. What was the line Becca, where He says something about don't covet your neighbour's. Oh uh, yeah, son.
1: yeah. I think that, that's the line or something. Yeah. It kind of it hints because I, yeah, through through the film obviously there's there's little kind of moments that they. Kind of spend together, um, and then at the end, yeah, he's he's like, Oh, that's that cover.
0: That's scene... like
1: I, did. I was like, What? That like, obviously, there's a scene cut from the film.
0: There's only one scene where there's a stub of it left, and that he goes back to like their hotel room or apartment or whatever that is after he's met with Jim Phelps, mm. and she's like laying on the floor or on, yeah, a she's gonna sit back on the floor. floor. <laughs> that's right. And she but, reaches no, it's, out it's, it's, her hand. It's
1: um, his, old, you know, his old office.
0: Yeah, she reaches out her hand and he reaches for it. And you could see in character, Ethan's not sure about her at yeah, all. Yeah, there's something there, isn't there? But isn't there? there's a hint that that might have... In, in another not very, not as good version of the script, they'd have like maybe had sex there. Mm. But I don't think that's what this film is telling them. They no, tell, I, they I kind did. of
1: feel like there was a focus group and... They said no, we don't like yeah. left scenes, and uh, but uh, you know all, all the little strands. But they haven't the...
0: erased every stub, have they? No. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but that's that's kind of um... yeah. But I think yeah, it's, it's, uh, I said before, it's like that's what's in the in, in the character. You can kind of like almost like see him going for a kiss, but not, but kind of pull back, and he, 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 It's like almost on a knife edge that they're either are sort of sort of flat out sort of making out, or it's a
0: good performance because I can see Ethan thinking. Yeah, and that's that's a difficult skill for an actor to give us. That there's something going on behind the eyes. Mm. You know, the old joke from Friends that it's easy to do smell the fart acting. Do you know what I mean? It's easy <laughs> to just get. It's easy to just screw your face up and look like quizzical. Yeah, try and like add like divide that by. <laughs> you can actually see the thought processes here, so I think this is really yeah. good. But yeah, the stub of some sort of three-way love tension as as has been left without any belief that that's actually what is there in the final version. So you've got the odd line left that you go, where did that come from? But he shoots his wife anyway, and then he goes to make his escape. Can you just answer one thing that I forgot to cover? I covered that Ethan worked out Krieger was a plant. How? What gave it away? It was something about the knife. Do you remember what the relevance of that it, knife, it was,
2: knife still, it was? It was the same knife that was in... Um the Sarah or the or, yeah. or, the, yeah, or the, guy the mission
0: and we do see him stab in yeah, flashback yeah. don't we yeah that's exactly it. Well, he, he yeah. Holds it
1: in his hand doesn't he and then he's like oh okay
2: and
0: that. and and you got the, the bible he had the uh... how did he get the knife back then if he found it in Sarah probably dropped it and ran didn't
2: he i don't i think he just uses that same type of knife or something right,
0: that's just his knife he's probably not got hope. several not of not them hope.
2: Yeah, they look kind of like a custom type thing. I
0: well, yeah, I... I suppose if Bond lost his, like, PPK, they wouldn't go, where well, you can use a Smith & Wesson now, would they? They'd <laughs> yeah. give him a PPK. <laughs> the butcher right, again. Got... Yeah, gotcha. All right, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah okay. then you have, like, the Bible that was from the... Um, the...
0: I know I how he tell. figured out Phelps, and I know how he figured out Phelps's wife as a possibility, and I love the fact that he left it that both were possible. mm um, but I was—I couldn't remember how he worked out Krieger, but I've got it now. Because, like, yeah, and she actually... chose Krieger as well. Like, yeah. he, cho- he chose... Um... And that knife was a thing, because he, he totally showed Tom Cruise that knife
2: yeah.
0: in a tense moment, and obviously that knife got dropped at Langley.
2: Yeah.
0: So you couldn't miss it, and it's well signposted to audiences as well. So the whole sequence now is basically them on top of a train with basically Phelps trying to get sort of picked up oh, by this Oh, He
2: also reveals um, uh, John Voight, uh, Sorry, of Phelps, on the glasses. He does this sort of, just just, just one thing. Oh, um, while he
0: was admitting everything, and it was like, yeah, you can't prove anything, it was like, just one thing, and he's been holding these glasses thing. that we know show point of view. We have yeah, that for all the very time. first scenes of the film. In fact, we see point of view when he's talking to Kristen Scott Thomas early in the film. Yeah everything is this is actually very tight isn't it yeah we're complaining about little bits of characterization and maybe less action than we expect from this franchise now no, it's a very tight film it's I a mean... very very tight script yeah i've re- i've forgotten how good it is um the most similar film in the series to this from memory is 3 but even that's gone the slightly more high high octane route mm. but um it's a really, really tight script. And again, Tom Cruise is doing a lot of fucking acrobatics on top of that. There's a lot of uh, blue screen involved. We, we can see that. That can't be helped. I think that's part budgetary as much as anything. And We've i got think. got fun it's facts part... about
1: that coming up shortly as
0: well. I sort of think now Tom Cruise would insist to do it for real. He'd yeah, go, no, no. no I, think I, want you would. Go... I want to be on top of that Back train. Back then it was like... Oh, I, as long as I can do the stunt, I don't care yeah. how we stage it. Because mm-hmm. I think,
2: it yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to possibly ruin uh, Becca's um, fun right. facts. Tom
1: Cruise, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Tom,
0: right. Tom Cruise, Tom's facts. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: One of them uh, is a fab fact.
0: Right, okay. What Which you mean would be irrelevant to you, but never mind. What, he was played by a marionette in this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's skip by that then, basically. Um they, the whole the whole sequence becomes effectively taking that helicopter down. Yeah.
2: He, he attaches the helicopter to as the they're train. As
0: go into the tunnel as well. Yeah. yeah he attaches it. He, he's beaten as well. The action's very well staged for a guy I don't think is primarily an action director as well. Hmm. In that, like, he's pretty much beaten and it is a last minute. It reminded me of the bit, it's not as high octane in its way, but the bit in Casino Royale where at the airport the guy finds the bomb on the back of his belt. Yeah, like just that last minute, ha! You snookered, you know the the yeah. last minute attaching of handcuffs. It's that sort of thing. Yeah, and they're about to go into the tunnel, and actually, in most action films, that would have blown up. Yeah, on the entrance to the tunnel, c- but it c- doesn't.
2: Because I, I, I did think about like how um, how they let's just let's just say like you know they they kill they kill they manage to kill even on you know um, Jim gets on the helicopter. What do they do now? <laughs> Yeah, like even if they got free, it's like, well, we're still kind of stuck in this tunnel, aren't
0: we? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> imagine it, you can imagine it in a Bond film, couldn't you? That like Victor Chorjansky would be <laughs> in the, the tunnel in Paris and then he'd see this helicopter come out and just look at his drink. <laughs> um, look at
1: the helicopter. What are you This the train. train is clearly being. Bon driven.
0: <laughs> What I love is um, the train is clearly being driven by Chief Commissioning Editor Tony Hairs. Yes, it's
1: um, David
2: Schneider.
0: Schneider. From Alan Well, well he's he's,
2: he's <laughs> is he driving or is he just kind of like commentating in the, in the back? <laughs> yeah, he's
1: a... he's a comedy Englishman. Again, there's very there's very much Skyfall that this film is very much influenced.
2: He's in a hurry. He's in a hurry to go home
1: have a dinner or whatever the line is.
2: Uh, yeah so it 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 is it, it, pretty much um straightforward so they're, they're in the they're in the he's got the helicopter on the um in in the tunnel he tries to kill Ethan Hunt while um uh Phelps has managed to get on so he tries to kill him with the propeller blades but obviously the narrow narrower nature of the tunnel just sort of knocks him so he kind of has to realign himself and he he decides to jump on the pla- on the uh on the helicopter as well and uh, uses uh, is not in any way dangerous uh, chewing gum
0: <laughs> superb yeah how much of this did he get <laughs> I
2: thought red you light gre- yeah that's this one. the bit where the score goes really like sort of really joining and, and it really kind of like uh, really that's really forced and kind of you know it it reminded me and it's and I'm, I, sh- I shared this with Dave last week we were talking a little bit and it, I'm I'm referring to not even the second film, but like a skit, a funny skit used based on the second film. We had like uh, Ben Stiller in that. And it just felt like there was a moment where it should have just like turned to the screen and said, now this mission's going to get a whole lot more impossible."
0: <laughs> that's I, um, that's I what it felt that, like. <laughs> I was reading around today uh, on the film, but I was also looking for little things to post on social media, you know, be it a picture yeah. or, you know, a trailer or whatever else. And I found that sketch and I watched it and i was just right. about to post it and then i thought hang on a minute it's got john wu in it it's got it's let's post it next week so in yeah, the build up to mission impossible after we record mission impossible 2 yeah. i will post that in the build up to that so yeah if you're hearing this uh, sometime after you're hearing this we'll post that sketch it's it's pretty good it's it's ben stiller on the set of mission impossible 2 as tom cruise's stuntman with oh, the same so sort of hair on and a little bit of fake tan and stuff. Um, and he's done, like, 14 films with him. And, I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it will start with him working with, like, another stuntman. And they're planning things out. And he's going, Tom totally wouldn't do that. And then Tom turns up and he's up for it. And he's like, see, I told you. And it, It's a totally <laughs> ingratiating stuntman figure. Yeah. Um, it's okay. But there is a reaction shot at one point where, like, it's John Woo. So it's, it's all... In the build-up to Mission Impossible Two, so we'll post it then.
2: But yeah, there was, there was that. and then the, yeah, so he he you know blows up. We see Phelps get crushed on the rail.
0: Yeah, quite brutally. That thing with Tom Cruise going right to his neck is really tense. Yeah, that I, is really tense. The whole thing blows up, and I just love the fact there's a bit of a, this is quite a stretch to a fans of the series. I'm about to say I admit, but there were, for a moment there was something a bit Indiana Jones about this, just mm-hmm. because. Indiana Jones will find himself in a situation and go oh shit and he hasn't even thought about the thing he's just got to deal yeah. with and it's a bit like that he, the plans he, the plans gone off i mean he has been making it up as he's gone along he's but as it's been the, going along yeah suddenly the, the the helicopter blows up and you can see him suddenly go oh and you know like i hadn't thought of that and it comes towards him and the blade finishes so close to his throat that actually even the health and safety around that on set must have been really tight because if Tom Cruise had leant forward to look at it, literally like lent his head mm. forward as a reaction shot, he could have done himself serious damage.
2: Well, there's, um, there's a bit in there too, which with, with, with a knife. I'm I can't pant-
0: remember too very well. So yeah, I'm going the, in a bit blind to that now.
2: Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at first initially, I thought that was all CGI, but um
0: I don't think it is, you know.
2: No, but, yeah, I think it was like... But that that is like...
0: The explosion is, and the jump to the plane is all done against blue screen. You can tell. But, I mean, the stunt's real in that Tom Mm. Cruise did it, but he didn't do it on a moving train. Do you know what I mean? Whereas... Now, obviously, you'd have to comp in elements because it's quite difficult. You'd have to do various cheats with it, but they do it more real world now because that's become the challenge of the series. They come up with an idea and then they spend that year or whatever in pre-production trying to figure out how to do it. Back then, they just went, this is the way to do it. And Tom Cruise said, great, can I do it? Now, Tom Cruise would be involved in designing it. And they try to do something real with a real train and a real helicopter. There is a real train and a real helicopter here, but those key money shots are clearly done against Blue Screen. Hmm. But that's it, basically, isn't it? Max gets uh, sort of accosted by Chris Kittredge and there's just that hint that she'll get herself out of this. Is there anything I could do for you? Surely I must have something you want.
2: Yeah, this kind of, well, how about we leave the courts out of this? <laughs> We're like, okay. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, yeah.
0: She'll be fine. And it's almost like Ethan kind of figured out she'd be fine. And then I think you get them all meeting in a bar outside, like a beer garden. Yeah. That reminds me of Mission Impossible 4 at the very yeah, end. Yeah, we um, see that again, don't we? Where they all meet, you know, round a table, and he hands up their in phones. At the had a ghost protocol. So you can see, even though they're all very different, you can see little bits of mm. form, formula sort of forming.
2: Yeah. Isn't the cranberries playing in the background?
0: I, Probably. Did
2: I I just got, because it's like, it felt, I, I mean... I I would have thought logic would it take that they're in Paris, but I, I felt like a very Irish vibe for some reason. No, they're
0: in London, aren't they? Yeah, oh no, I suppose if they, well, it depends whether they'd stayed on the train yeah. or the train had to stop, or you know, it's a bit like Skyfall where the back of the train gets ripped off and the train carries on happily. Yeah. <laughs> Surely you stop. That an emergency has just happened. An act of yeah, terrorism, exactly.
1: in fact. I, I was always amazed by how the that chopper could fit in the tunnel,
0: but never mind. That's just me. I have been through the Channel Tunnel once, but I can't honestly remember whether you can get any sense for the size of it.
1: No, I was say I've been on the on the Eurostar from um, from London to uh, to Paris, obviously. Um, but yeah, likewise. But it was good fun, though.
0: Yeah, so that's about it. And then there's just like the tease of a not the tease of a sequel, but the tease of an ongoing adventure. <laughs> he's on a flight. Ex- shot exactly as the Jim Phelps one to the, to the different film
1: of the Caribbean.
0: They probably shot it. I don't even know if it's the same woman, it could be. Um, is it not
1: because it's on a BA flight? Is it not um, Roger Moore's daughter handing you a, oh,
0: right, well, a well, cocktail? I <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they shot that the same day as they shot Probably. John Voigt and literally he stepped out and Tom Cruise stepped in and they did mm. the two. That would make sense. You could do them both in the morning, couldn't you? Mm. So, yeah, he's he's offered uh, the cinema of the Caribbean, and then it goes straight to credits.
2: Yeah, and we have the, the, the remix version of the...
0: Uh... Which is so 90s. Oh, it's
1: so 90s. The, oh, my the, life.
2: D- d- done my by best. half of you two, the half that no one really... Yeah. Yeah, the, the
1: other half was. The
2: other half to was, be honest, writing...
0: the only way this could have been... Well, well
2: the other half did, more...
0: did, did GoldenEye. <laughs> <It's>
2: Goldeneye <laughs> this could have are. only <laughs> been
0: more 90s if Jennifer Aniston had presented it and like Will Smith had wrapped over the top of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Obviously, you know, with this, with the considering how they they how they treated the character of Jim Phelps, it's such a shame that we didn't see any of the original cast. Like, there's no Martin Landers, no Barbara Bain. Well, I make the, them Lee all back guys as well. Up.
2: Yeah.
0: Well,
1: yeah, apart from that,
2: definitely. <laughs> Let's make them all
0: well, It depends how you do it. I mean, I know it was a comedy, but there was a bit at the end of that, Ben Stiller talking to Ben Stiller, when they did Starsky and Hutch, there was a bit of that at the end of that film where they met the original Starsky and Hutch, and it was oh, yeah. cringe-making. Uh... It, it's really cringe-making if you have a really nodding and winking kind of cameo. Yeah, it's
1: obvious. it's obvious. Like, uh...
0: um, but I don't know how you do it in a non-obvious way. I'm not against the idea in theory, but i don't know how you do it um yeah okay i suppose I suppose there would have been ways but um i mean final thoughts from me just very quickly all i'm all i'm gonna point to is two things really firstly two or three things really firstly um the script is much much tighter than i remember and as you go through it scene by scene you just go well that leads on to this and then that leads on to that and you think there's no wasted time in this film at all. No, it really
1: all. does zip along, doesn't it?
0: Um, you could have put more in there. It is a little thin in its way, but it's very, very efficient. There's little character work, really. I don't know anything about Ethan at the end of the film that I didn't know about at the start, except some elements of essential character, I suppose, in that you won't sacrifice team and that sort of thing. But that's about it. That's just Landerjew hero stuff, though, really. Mm. Um, what did surprise me, reminding myself of the TV series and its format, is this is for all the well you've taken the name mission impossible but this isn't mission impossible actually it is for about half an hour and then it sort of starts striking out on its own but um really strong stuff it surprises me it took you know four years to a sequel and six years to a third this didn't become a going concern of a series until maybe ghost protocol really it was always there to dip back into but now they do films with an eye on the next one um you know it was four years after ghost protocol which was getting a bit shorter and then it was three and now it's going to be like two back to back so i'm surprised this didn't prompt something else quicker but yeah perfectly good it it lacks a little bit of levity lacks a little bit of scale but really tight really well done and just a really distinctive entry in the series Um, there's not another one that feels exactly like this although three has elements that's all i want to say really
2: yeah Becca
1: yeah I can't really I'm not sure to that really I'll say it kind of zips along um I think probably there are some aspects of of the script where it kind of drops a little bit it does become a little bit sort of basic it's very much on the nose um yeah I mean the the three kind of big set pieces in this film don't disappoint and they certainly set up you know for the series what we come to expect spectacular stunts um incredibly eye-popping set pieces um and yeah it's, it's one of those from this series luckily for us well I, I think anyway series that improves as we go on um, but this is this is you know it's very much the first movie in the series and, and by no means the worst um I had a really good time so I really enjoyed it
2: yeah I think it's just a very tight 90s um thriller really uh it's it, I think it's quite faithful to the, to the to the TV show while adding it's own, uh, its own spin and um and starting something new where uh, Tom Cruise is great um, and I uh, yeah I think the only thing I think it may be just a bit too simplistic but you know for its faults it could have it could have beefed out some character work make maybe just have like a another action beat in there just to keep things up but other than that I think it's a pretty solid solid film in all fairness
1: I just come uh, across is... an old um oh, I'm
2: sorry.
1: Uh, Audrey, But review, just basically um, first, well actually looking at looking ahead to to next week's Mission Impossible 2 show. It says oh the first Mission Impossible movie had a plot no one understood. Mission Impossible 2 had a plot you don't need to understand. So if you thought this film's plot was confusing, next week oh my god different cat of fish.
2: Yeah they they, they clearly light like, would have heard my. 14, 15-year-olds uh, critiques of, like, I want more shooting and stuff. We go, okay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, here
1: you are. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to reviewing next week's film. And we haven't spoken about Robert Towne either. I can't believe you haven't mentioned him.
0: Yeah, Robert Towne, I did mean to mention it, uh, sort of, at the story stage, because the, sc- the, oh no, sorry, screenplay stage, it's him and David Kep. Uh David Kep is known for lots of genre stuff like some of the Spider Man stuff, that last he's, he's Indiana Jones film. Off the ball now,
1: what's happened to him?
0: He did direct Ghost Town, that film with Ricky Gervais years ago as well. Yeah. Um, which it I didn't mind actually quite liked it. But yeah, I haven't seen much of him. But the story was him. He was kind
1: of like everywhere or behind it. Was kind of really in the really high class genre films. Um,
0: Robert Town is I mean, knocking on in age now. He's well into his eighties, but I suspect the film he'll be best remembered for is um uh China No, no. (laughs) Chinatown's the the film we'd be remembered for. Yeah, definitely, either of those He did some uncredited work on Godfather. Uh, There's a scene with Vito and Michael in a garden late in that film, not long before Vito dies. That was written by Robert Town. But other stuff like uh, he did some work on The Parallax View. He did some work on Marathon Man, because he was a script doctor for years. He'd come in and fix things. Um, He had worked on uh, Tom Cruise's product in the past, Days of Thunder, The Firm. Uh, but yeah, the film he'll be remembered for is Chinatown, which has an outstanding script. To be fair, but that's all I know about this film. I don't know about you, Chris. I know fuck all, mate. Robert, Robert Towns, Cruise. <laughs>
1: He's gone from a PG to an 18. <laughs> I thought this is a relatively
0: well. You know, well, no, no, one, uh, one I, swear word. I think that's a 12A. Eh? know, I know, fucking wanking nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> perhaps that's not safe for work. If there was a way could learn more about the film i mean i've got wikipedia and i'm still clueless yeah wikipedia isn't
2: really like you know a a credited source because anyone could type any of the old things by people yeah but
0: errors on there don't last very long that's the thing if you if you take a snapshot of wikipedia it might be wrong but if you look at it if you get a mistake on there that mistake will be gone within minutes that's the point but anyway
2: Yeah, but who's to say that there's no current errors on there now to, yet to be
0: corrected? I mean, I, I want I want
2: a, a voice of authority.
0: You want a voice of authority, uh, like like Morgan Freeman or something?
2: Well, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so someone with authority and facts.
0: All right, let me see if let me see if Morgan Freeman's on Twitter. Hang on a minute. Hang on, this, this is going to take ages because he's not going to reply now. It's got to be. Hang on a minute, Morgan. Well, Freeman. Well, seeing the Morgan Freeman's God. He's probably. Uh... He's oh, probably, probably busy replying to tweet. everyone yeah, else. To um, he's, he's, Hello, he's, he, t- he last tweeted about six hours ago. This could take too long, Chris. Have we got a source closer to home?
2: <sighs> Do we? I mean, it's a... maybe if there was some sort of facts that were entertaining in some way.
0: What, you mean regurgitate that fun facts idea we had? <laughs> oh, yeah, possibly. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Becca?
1: Yes, I couldn't come up with a new item, so I thought I'd stick with the same fun facts. One is really fun, but I think it's only fun for me and not for for either of you. So sorry about
0: that. Why is it about men's chests and stuff? No. All right then.
1: I wish it was now.
0: All right then.
1: No, yeah, fun facts number one. Um, yep, yeah, not really fun, but kind of is fun anyway. Um, yes, yeah, so when the first blockbuster. Um, films of the West to feature Prague as a location after its freedom from, from Communism in 1989. Um, that's what I also think is really quite interesting about spy thrillers of this sort of time because you are kind of coming out of that kind of era um, of the thawing of the Cold War ever so slightly. Um, fact number two, um, which I think is quite a fab fact, um, the opening credits are influenced by the introduction sequences of Gerry Anderson's show Thunderbirds and Space pre really interestingly. Um, so, obviously, there's a kind of a scene where you've got The Precinct
0: was a 90s TV show, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: It was, it was. Um,
0: Simone Bendix was the one. Um, I just Liz remember seeing the and Liz James and various stuff. other people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, 94, 95. It was kind of towards the tail end of of, um, of the career there. Um, finally, obviously, something that Jerry towards I to do for a long time was make the jump to um, from marionettes to, to live action. Um, you can kind of see that a little bit in things like sort of joe 90 and captain scarlet as well where the puppets are much more kind of um, in proportion and more real looking but they're kind of like the kind of further one you get and then obviously towards the is it mid 2000 i think yeah you had the new captain scarlet as well i kind of think i kind of remember that at the same time as the reboot of doctor who for example um which i think is quite interesting but you've kind of got that pattern of um, during the credits, or even something like Space 1999, for example, showing the credits, you know, this episode and little scenes of what's going to happen in the film before yeah. you get to the film proper, if that makes sense.
0: Which they do a lot of, actually, through the series. I mean, by the time we get to 4, it's actually getting in the way because it's showing you whole sections of the
1: it, film. It's kind of like a trailer, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah. instead of just teasing you about the film, it's like, oh, here's the film in yeah. some manageable chunks, or here are, the, here are the main action highlights.
0: Although I suppose you're still lacking context, but, I mean, when in 4 you see a missile being set off and the whole film's about whether they can stop this missile, you think yeah, we're prob- exactly. you think, well, probably not then
1: <laughs> yeah, well, actually, no
0: <laughs> alright, we'll sorry, carry, now. carry on
1: no, I think that's quite interesting, it's a very kind of 60s thing cause it's during this film is very much 60s, 70s you know, 70s, scene, you know, TV series yeah. um, I never noticed and I might um, ask one of the stars of Space Precinct I can't see what Space Precinct about that and see what he thinks Excellent. Um, fun fact number three: Really, I mean, We didn't talk about his death. Um, was cast as an uncredited role as Jack. Um, it was to give a kind of sense of, sho- you know, shock when he died because obviously you got Tom Cruise. I mean, you know, was probably like the better, you know, one of the, yeah. the other, other top names in the film. Um, and I think was it um, Young Guns? Tom Cruise had a similar uncredited role in his in his film. Um, and sadly, it was kind of it was towards the tail end of, um, of Estevan's career. I think that would be like his last major role. Um as his kind of creating a bit of a nosedive after young guns. But yeah, I thought it was really quite gruesome how he met his end. I was like,
0: ooh. <laughs> it was only momentary, but you were left in no doubt he'd been speared through the eye. Well,
2: yeah, literally, and he was like, you sees... well. kinda get the impression that his face is Pop is just like just caved <clears And>, in. <throat> Not very uh, nice. I mean it was it, i wonder if it'll work now having like, you know, having an unannounced like um uh actor, an actor and actor in a kind of in a more in a kind of like substantial role thinking oh he's gonna probably get killed off you know i think, yeah, you
1: know, it's, I, I, think... I think if it's somebody cast like really obviously i mean like now for example um i think he cast now but i think the reason that john Voigt was cast in 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 the role is that perhaps you know people wouldn't suspect him as as, mm. as the villain you know essentially so uh, if you have somebody cast in a really other than tom cruise cast somebody a big name you think oh or they're going to be the villain or they're going to be killed off or you know
2: Imagine if, well, they, if they stuck Westeros to original a, casting. Was like a with... big
0: name, but not a massive, massive, massive star. I mean, it's not like I don't know. I can't think of another example from the. It wasn't Alec Baldwin. Or Eric something like that. we'll see him soon. Yes, but they, he doesn't. He doesn't get killed off in quite the same way as quickly. No. Yes, While I look forward to
1: saying Eric Baldwin
2: <laughs> a
0: The greatest a- actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: So no, yeah. Fun fact number four: This is the only Mission Impossible film in the series where Ethan doesn't oh, fire isn't? a gun. No, it isn't. He made
0: loads after. Oh, yeah. yes, there are should... more. Water. More I finished that Sorry.
1: Is the only one where he do not see him fire a gun. Um, there's not a shootout, or an epic gunfight. So it's quite a relatively gun-free movie, kind of ish.
0: That had not even occurred to me.
1: But um, yeah, he doesn't fire a gun in this film. Okay. Um, right. and my fun facts number who five: needs,
0: Who needs a gun when you've got gun?
1: When you've got gum, this is <laughs> it.
0: When you've got juicy fruit, you don't need a Smith &
1: <laughs> Put gum to a gunfight. Yeah. Oh
0: That's how you get wait.
2: We you <laughs> got throwback Apple technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. When you've got a Usenet room. Anyway, The
1: world's your oyster. Carry on, then. Good old Usenet. Anyway, my fun fact number five... Um, obviously, the showdown on the train didn't actually happen atop the French TGV. Um, exterior shots were filmed... You're
2: telling me it wasn't real?
1: No. <laughs> well,
0: there's a film of it. What more proof do you want?
2: <laughs> oh, dear.
1: Um, yes, yeah, so obviously, as you mentioned earlier, it was shot um, against blue screen um, with amazing effects by ILM. Um, actually, and the exterior shots are kind of filmed in and around um, Scotland so if it imagines you know it looks like you're on hogwarts then you probably are um the swim machine i didn't know apparently at the time um it was the it was the biggest and the only one of its kind to exist within europe um and produced wind speeds of up 140 miles miles an hour to distort tom cruise's face to make him look like he was atop that train
0: can i say isn't it amazing how the scottish highlands look in no way like central (laughs) london
1: Isn't it amazing how the English countryside looks nothing like Southern <laughs> California? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear.
0: Well, for the first time in a new series, I have to say, that's fun, folks.
1: <laughs> when well, I found it so serious.
0: Yeah.
2: Can you imagine if they, if they generally did cast like the original cast in, in Jim Phelps and made him a bad guy? Is it still going?
0: Uh, Just, uh, the, the actors uh, died now, I think. I think he died about eight, nine years ago. See, Martin Lando died recently. He was, al- he was alive at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Martin Lando around this time was in Woody Allen films. and so stuff. I think Martin, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I mentioned uh, Sidney Pollack, but Martin Lando was in Crimes and Misdemeanours, which again, you know, Woody Allen's an awkward subject at the moment, but whether he was or he wasn't, um, the, he was always a little bit inconsistent anyway, in that, like, he made a film a year. Sometimes they were good, sometimes they weren't. Crimes and Misdemeanors is one of his better films, and that's got Martin Lando in it. That was about 1989. So, yeah, something like that. Husbands and Wives, I think, was about 92, th- something like that. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, as for social media, you can find me at the Kid 1976 on Twitter.
2: Uh, you can find me at on Twitter. You can also find all the old episodes on simtrapsco.
0: And we're trying to get ourselves onto Spotify and Google Podcasts, as well as sort out our back catalogue problem with iTunes. We ni- none of those have we achieved yet, but we're we're on it. Well, I've just looked on Spotify. We haven't we haven't appeared yet, but we've literally just registered. So whatever process they go to go through, will be there soon. Um, and you can
1: obviously find us on Facebook and Twitter under the moniker at Expect Us a Talk.
0: Uh, yeah, we're also, uh, got our own channel on YouTube And do you expect us to talk? Uh, that's about it. I think, uh, apart from obviously Chris has already mentioned the website. Well, I think and that's interesting
1: to... about Spotify. So looking forward to that.
0: Well, uh, just literally in my, we, we set this podcast up in 2015 and you react to the market you enter and the market we entered was all iTunes and Stitcher. And now I'm seeing people search for podcasts on Spotify and Google and stuff like that. Um, and basically, iPods are kind of out of vogue, even though I've still got one. So if you don't have, <laughs> I
1: know out of vogue years ago.
0: Well, I've still got an iPod Touch. I've got both because of the size of yeah, my yeah, I've music still got catalog. mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm but that's because of the size of
0: my music catalogue. I kind of need one, but well, um, in fact, it's nearly full. Um, but if yeah, but if you don't have like an Apple product, obviously Stitcher. I've spoken to people who listen to podcasts and never heard of it. So we've got a we've got a find where people are finding us and increasingly that's um people are more and more using their spotify accounts to listen to podcasts so we're gonna end up on there as well but uh i have to say that was a triumphant start to the series i think the films can only go from strength to strength which means becca
1: oh dear do you expect to talk or return with mission impossible 2